Welcome to Guys We Fucked. <laughs> guys We Fucked. Guys We Fucked. I'm Christina. I'm Corinne. We're sorry, sorry about, about last, last night. night. The anti slut shaming podcast. <laughs> I never stop. <laughs> hey, fucker. Welcome to another episode of Guys We Fucked. Uh, it's the anti slut shaming podcast. I'm Corinne. I'm Christina. What's up? Sit in a big ass living room. Oh, yes. Christina's wall has been knocked down. You know when uh, you go to get, you hire a guy to remove the fake wall in your living room that separates your bedroom and your living room, and then he asks you to lift up your mattress so you don't get dust on it, and then you lift it up, and then you realize, oh, the handcuffs that are in each corner of your bed are just right there, and you're like, I'm not going to say anything. And then he's like, I'm not going to say anything. I'm like, yeah, don't fucking say anything. Shut up. Oh, I thought it was going to be like handcuffs aren't that bad. That's like and that's a not that thong bad. that was not clean. Did but, it have blood on it? No, no. It was oh. just like, you know, vag stuff. Right. You know, secretions. Yes. Uh, dried. <laughs> and, you know, it was just that part was yeah. like the it was up. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I mean, I don't care, but I'm sorry, I sir. I feel like the, the type of men who come to do like handiwork and stuff like they, they don't they don't care yeah because part of me was like did he even see it no this he is, was staring at it for a while but i mean he, if anything he could ask me questions i, I think he them. was probably like "Ooh," like i don't think he was grossed out you know i'm gonna go home and tell my wife what i saw yeah i don't i just feel like those it's, it's like you know if you're going into people's new york city apartments for a living you've seen some shit oh right yeah 100 one time i saw a pool in someone's living room I mean, it was what? it wasn't just like a thing they dropped, but I was like oh very carefully God. planned. But they apparently had orgies and shit. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. Whatever. That's fascinating. <sighs> I like it. Um, I guess. Sorry, I'm holding the microphone with my hand because I realized I had to look at my calendar. Uh, anyway, come see us live, uh, please. <laughs> New York City on Friday, uh, January twenty seventh. Uh, it's the January edition of Nacho Bitches, eleven fifteen p.m. at New York Comedy Club. Use code Nacho for ten dollars tickets. That's hosted by myself and Blair Saki. And then also Boston that weekend after that, the twenty eighth through Monday the thirtieth. I'm going to be in Boston. Wet your whistles before we come to <laughs> and do the thing. <laughs> what come? <laughs> oh, I was like, what? wet your whistle before we come. I'll be at a couple little bar shows and shit come hang out and then also come see us in april for the real guys we fucked experience also in new york city february friday 18th february 18th Fr- what did i just say friday february wow. 18th did i say that it yeah. just sounded like not a word come out in, in pieces but i it that's, did that's it i got it you can understand christina <laughs> uh, language uh friday february 18th at 7 30 p.m is my birthday edition of not of glamour puss nacho bitches wow oh can you do that show uh i have to check corinne's gonna check but she might be on it if she's available birthday tradition yeah uh zinc bar 82 west third street hosted by myself and wendy starling we got all so far all podcast guests were booked jessica kearson Mm -hmm. jimmy fela and ryan reese oh my god what a fun show i know right i'm so fucking excited and possibly Corrine Fisher. It's very, I, there are very few times that I do a show when I like everybody else on the show. Yeah, that's my birthday present to myself. That's very nice. That's, that's going to be, oh, guys, come to that one. You're going to be in for a fucking treat. <laughs> um, and then tour, uh, we leave tomorrow for the second leg of our Guys We Fucked Experience tour. Seattle, Saturday, January 14th. We're going to be at Parlor Live Comedy Club. San Francisco, Sunday, January 15th at Cobb's Comedy Club. 
Club as part of Sketchfest. Denver, Monday, January 16th at Comedy Works. Portland, Wednesday, January 18th at Helium. Uh, Spokane, Washington. Spokania. Uh, that's right, right? It's yeah, Spoca- it's Spokane. Or Spokane. Spokane. It's Spokanini. Spokanana. Yeah, that, that's what it, see, that's right, what it was. I couldn't right. remember. Spokane, uh, Washington on Thursday, January 19th. A lot of talk about pronunciation, not a lot of tickets. <laughs> <laughs> So true. We're really doing not doing well there. Uh, but everyone wants to correct us. So that's in that life. Um, Los Angeles, California, Saturday, January 21st. You should march and then you should come to our 5 p.m. show at the alleyway as part of Riot Fest. Right. Uh, geez, that one also needs some. Sales. Yeah. What the fuck? Everyone's like, come to Los Angeles. And now when we're coming, they're like, Wait, what? They're like, but who are you? Can you come after it? Yeah, please. <laughs> uh, San Diego, Sunday, January 22nd. We'll be at the American Comedy Company. Oh, it's company. Yeah, it is company, not club. Uh, <laughs> whoops. Uh, Boston, Thursday, April 13th. We're going to be at the Wilbur. Chicopee, Massachusetts, Friday, April 14th at the Hookilau. Washington, D.C., Saturday, April 15th. We're going to be at the 930 Club. That's like really cool. Ugh, I'm excited. A lot of my favorite people live in Washington, D.C., too. Um, Austin- like Obama? <laughs> no, no. I was thinking of uh, Paula and Gabe. Oh, those, yeah. <laughs> those are your good friends. <laughs> Austin, Texas, April 20th through the 22nd for the Moon Tower Comedy Festival. And Houston, Texas, Sunday, April 23rd at Warehouse Live. Mm. Come see us. Come, 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 come. It's yeah. going to be a fun fucking show. Oh, it'll be fun. Oh, shit. I did have a personal story, but we can do this. <gasps> Tell me. We can do an ad and then. Oh, and then, you know, just to keep people on their toes. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to do an ad next. Shut up. <laughs> have you ever heard of Throwing Shade, the critically acclaimed podcast from Funny or Die? It's now a new late show on TV land hosted by a lady and a gay man. Oh, man. Oh, oh, what kind of fun is will ensue? Hijinks. Feminasty, Aaron Gibson, and homosexual, Brian Safi. Safi, again, I don't know. He's homosexual, though. <laughs> Throwing shade is smart and funny and irreverent. Irreverent weekly. I don't even know what that fucking word means. What does irreverent mean? Ugh, that's uh, it means. It's one of those words where to define it, I would just say, you know, it means irreverent. Oh, okay, like, good. I, well, it's irreverent <laughs> weekly current events comedy talk show. Brian and Aaron look at the headlines in politics and pop culture and treat them with much less respect than they deserve. Just like I treat all my partners. Entertainment Weekly called Brian and Aaron the perfect combination of silly, intelligent, cynical, and charming. Was that? Oh, they were talking. Are they talking about us? (laughs) I'm just kidding. Don't make the ad about you, Christina. They're also hilarious. And their timing couldn't be better as we begin the President Trump era. Thanks for reminding me. This is a very large dog barking outside (laughs) my door, and I'm afraid for my life. This is the show America needs right now. Brian and Aaron don't try to make sense of the world. They just make fun of it. There's nothing else like it on television. It's It's an antidote to the... Is it an anecdote? No, no, no. An anecdote is a story. An antidote is like a, 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 a something that gets rid of something. Like a wow, a potion. Wow, learning a lot of new to, words. A potion to cure something. Thanks, throwing shade to the current. It's an antidote to the current insanity in politics and pop culture. It's you, medicine. Antidote oh. is a fancy word for medicine. Oh, it's gonna make you feel better about how shitty the world is. You don't want to miss Brian and Aaron's take on what's happening in the world. From funny or die, it's throwing shade wildly, in, wildly inappropriate. Always funny, occasionally important. Starts Tuesday at 10, 10.30, 9.30 Central. 
on TV land, throwing shade. Shut up. <laughs> oh, and also I looked at the, de- the de- uh, dictionary definition of irreverent. Uh, and oh, wow. That was quick. Uh, well, because it, when, and anytime I like, I would like, I can use it to well, describe you know, something. You know what words mean. But I can't, I could, it's bad that I couldn't like give you a definition right on the spot. So it is. Yeah, I was judging you. The definition is showing what a, a lack, dumb bitch. <laughs> showing a lack of respect for people or things that are generally taken seriously. Oh, that's like, we're irreverent. Us. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. so I was like, oh, like our show sometimes, <laughs> you know, so that's good. Um, um, anyway, uh, I guess I'll just do this ad and then we'll get into okay, the stories. You know, who cares? I made a promise and then I took it back. Welcome to Trump's America. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, in the background, you know about Lyft, right? <laughs> yeah, it's the app that gets you a ride in minutes. On demand, 24-7 for less than the cost of a cab. If you've tried Lyft, you know what I mean. With Lyft, you just download the app, request a driver, and they show up in three and a half minutes on average. That's really fast. That's really fast. If you're not... I like how they tell us to say that's really fast. That's like, really fast. Like as if some of our listeners don't have a like, concept of time. I guess three minutes is... <laughs> I guess that is really fast. Good point. <laughs> Thanks, we're, Courtney Christina. We're so spoiled. Um, we're irreverent. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, people always take time very seriously. See, I thought that was a movie about where DiCaprio gets eaten by bears and shit. Isn't what? that called Irreverent? Uh, no, probably not. I don't. I know what movie you're talking about. I have no idea what the title so of I'm about movie to get is, real though. embarrassed when I look that up. <laughs> uh, every Lyft driver is fully vetted through their 10 point safety standard, including including criminal and DMV background checks. You know, you'll get around quickly and safely. But, you know, still fucking just be aware. Yeah. Well, make sure you're going into the, the lift with the they gave you the license plate number to look out. Yes. For. Make sure it's that. That's, That's a great feature. Really good point. I always you look at that feature because I got to say there was one time when I just got into someone's car. And oh, it was just same here. And it was just like I saw, you know, probably some racism involved. I was like, oh, are you Dominican? Let me just get this Oh, because the well, the picture the, they show you a picture. No, that's not racist. You, you, they gave you the picture of the guy. You know, whatever. I'm really trying to make lemons here. Just I had never, I had never met him. It was his profile only. You know what I'm saying? I just got also we got an email recently from a girl who they they she got in. She didn't check the license plate. Right. Not her fault. But she did get raped. Well, I mean, I mean, by a guy who was posing as like, no, that's not her fault. But you should check the license plate. Exactly. Yeah. And the and the and the uh, repercussion for not checking the license plate should not be rape. It should <laughs> wouldn't, be. Then wouldn't that be nice? It should be. Oops. Um, <laughs> let me get out of this car. <laughs> it should be wrong car, ma'am. Uh, I feel like we should get back to this. Oh, ad. yeah. I forgot uh, every Lyft driver is fully vetted through their 10 point yeah, safety standard, including criminal and DMV background checks. Lyft drivers are rated after every ride. So only the best stick around. You don't have to worry about getting into a, a filthy car with some creepy dude. And if you give them like a lower than something rating, like you don't they ask you why. And you're not matched with that person again. Right. Um, so I like that with Lyft, you can tip in the app, which obviously leads to happier drivers. Nine out of 10 Lyft drivers get a perfect five star rating from the passenger. Wow. It's just a better all around experience. Um, it's true, honestly. I use it all the time. Yeah, Lyft is great, and I do use it more than other car services. Me too. Uh, because I was like, well, if I'm promoting it, I should use it. Also, we got codes for you. Yeah, but it's pretty good, so you should do that. Um, and you can get up to uh, three free rides of a $10 value uh, when you enter the code GWFD in the payment section. You'll start with the three free rides up to $10 each, but you can use up to $30, and it's promo code GWFD. I also like in the copy they said... After you'll start with three free rides up to $10 each. That's up to a $30 value. 
Right. I didn't know. I'm glad yeah. I They're just, you know, they just want to let you know. Lift. Women can't do math. Shut up. <laughs> just kidding, Lift. I'm kidding with you. Oh, Lift, Lift, Lift. No, but Lift. And also, Let's they just lift my spirits with this story. Um, you can't tell me. But with an eye. Well, no, this. Oh. Uh, no, there's nothing wrong with the the story I'm going to tell. Basically, I forgot what what the fuck were you calling that guy who ghosted me? Well, did we have a, f- a code name for him? I meant to look it up before this podcast, but that would have been too professional of me. Uh, Ghost McGhosterson, like Ghost, Ghost McGhosterson, you go or something, something like that. <laughs> I like Ghost McWhere'd you go? Yeah. So that'll be his new name. So yeah, I fucking haven't talked to Ghost McWhere'd you go in like. Two years because yeah. I've been dating James for over a year. And then before that, I was dating someone else in uh, for uh, a couple months. So before that, Ghost McWhere'd you go? And I really like Ghost McWhere'd you go? Well, last time we talked about Ghost McWhere'd you go on the podcast on a, not a Howl episode. Um, it was after it was fresh off the when his name became McWhere'd you go? Right. Because he went somewhere. <laughs> we didn't know where. But then... <laughs> Where he ended up showing up was a holiday party at the comedy club. Oh, and like, right. And I remember right. going, Corinne, right. what do we do? He's here. And then you're like, I thought ISIS came in the building. <laughs> Just Mick, where'd you go? And I was like, that's still a big deal. Right. Yeah. Your face might not get murdered, but your heart might. <laughs> but we didn't, we didn't talk. We didn't talk there at all. And, no. And then his girlfriend tried to take a picture of us. And we're like, ah! get away from oh, us. That's odd. <laughs> She knew what she was doing. Don't fucking play oh, dumb the, with me. The travel. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Remember that. I remember looking through those. <laughs> They're still together. Um, Good for them. <laughs> no, I'm happy for them. You seem it. Okay. So She's really dumb. I hosted the show with Justin Perez, uh, 51 Worst Jokes. Oh, yeah. While you were at the El Hello show. Oh, oh, do see it. A lot of inside <laughs> New York jokes. It's great. And so it was weird that he that Justin had me and Justin do this every year. And it was, and you know, it's hard to keep track of how many people I'm not talking to in the comedy community. <laughs> so I, I yeah, understand. Be like, Justin, don't book this person, this person, this person, this person. I get it. It's a, it's a long list of men and women undecided, <laughs> you know? So I, I don't, I didn't hold Justin accountable for uh, all the fights that I'm currently in, <laughs> but he, this person I like, you know, Mick, really, where'd you go? McWhere'd you go? I really liked, and he really like hurt hurt my heart. Yeah. So because he acted like he wasn't going to go nowhere, right? And then he went. <laughs> and then he went somewhere. And we're like, where'd you go? <laughs> well, and also he made me. He did that thing that we talk about where he made me feel like I was crazy for the level of feelings. I was like, I don't Facebook gas message for four hours with a fuck buddy. Yeah, fuck every no. day, Ugh. every day for weeks. Yeah, that's more. That's beyond fuck. Buddy. I was losing sleep. I it's I shared my experiences of of how sad I was over Robin Williams's suicide. Like that don't you don't share that with a yeah. fuck buddy. No, you just fuck him. <laughs> that's your fuck buddy. Who you, it's a buddy. You fuck. <laughs> and sometimes you drink juice. You talk about the death of Robin Williams and how you both feel about it and how right. It's, you know, yeah. So this. So he gets, he was booked on the show and it's 51 comics. So whatever, obviously I'm not going to like everyone. And <laughs> yeah, the odds of you liking everyone on a that's 51 impossible. comic show. Yeah. And yeah. I like mostly everyone. So that was yeah. great, great track that's record. Good. And uh, so he is booked on the show and I'm like, well, I'm not going to unbook him. I'm not a child. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just find. And I saw him and like, you know, you know, you know, I guess when you have a comic show with 51 comics, you probably should, uh, figure out a running order before the show right, starts. Right, 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 We didn't right. do that. We just went by, who do I see? Well, sometimes that's what happens. <laughs> so we were doing it and I see him there and I was like, okay, I, I purposely want to call him like earlier so he doesn't think I'm like leaving him to last out of spite. Would he think that? Yeah, I oh. would think that. 
if I was on a show that that he like he, booked and he called me last out of 51 comics. All right. Yeah. So I was like, I want to put him just in the middle. So it's like per, just perfect. Yeah. You know, and I saw him and I and I I even announced him myself. I didn't say anything How snarky. Good for you. Right. I laughed. I looked I looked at him while he was performing and laughed at his jokes because they were nice. funny. Um. And then afterwards, did you feel? Did you still have any feelings of bitterness, or are you just like, eh, I don't like? That. I was the last time you thought about him was probably. Like, Ugh. I mean, not bitter because I'm I am so far along into the relationship with James, and I like, right. and it's like this is he's better for me, and I like James more than I would have ever liked Mick Ghost. Mick where'd you go? Mick where'd you go? Yeah, but I was a little miffed because Mick where'd you go looked very good, like he had Still lost guy. weight. Oh wow! So he looked even better. His uh, he had he had a very freshly shaved beard, like really like perfectly perfect five o'clock oh, shadow. I love that so, shit. I was like, oh god, that was um, so handsome. Meanwhile, I was just like Paula Poundstone, like on purpose, but still, it didn't feel sexy. <laughs> yeah, when you see a guy you think is hot, you dress like Paul Poundstone. I was eh, like, god damn it! I guess like- I'll just have to wear my success, like it's makeup. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's the best uh, beauty trend of them all. Yeah. Oh, shut up, Christina. And so, and so he came, and then so I we're set, we're closing up the DJ booth where me and Justin were sitting after the show, and I turn around and he's standing there, like right in front of me, uh, <laughs> like creepy, ready to talk, and he, ready to talk. Yeah, and so he just starts talking to me. Like this person has avoided me at shows. Yeah, like, has blocked me on Twitter. Dodged you pretty hard. Like gone out of pretty his hard way. for someone who didn't give a shit about you. <laughs> got out of his way and sure there was that one time when i did a dramatic reading of his girlfriend's travel blog that may or may not have gotten back to him did it but it was ve- i did a, it was very fun i gotta say those days where you pissed about me where'd you go you did some, some great comedy best work <laughs> so great comedy so he comes out he just starts talking to me congratulating me on on you know guys we fucked Aww. and he you know asking how you're doing and, and like in how mo- i'm doing uh no how like oh, i'm doing I'm <laughs> well he said he congratulated on that, guys no, but and it was like and it was just one of those ones where i was number one so in shock by what this person was doing. Especially because he dodged you so hard. And I was nice. I was totally cordial. I wasn't a bitch. I was just like, I just had a normal conversation because That's it's like, great. but I was, just, I was like, and then I was like, oh, it's this fucking thing that people do in the early part of a year. It just turned 2017. Oh, oh, I'm trying to extend an olive branch. Oh, is that what people do? I real, I just go to the gym the only time, well, now I work with trainer, but like I used to just go to the gym the first week of January and then never again. Well, I feel That's like what... I feel like, yeah, people just really like this is the second year in a row. And you got one last year that we've gotten like an apology or some kind of like olive and a and an, oh, some kind of a thing dude, in, the was that in the new year. Yes. Yes. And that was weird because yeah. I was like, that person wasn't nice to us. Right. So it was just weird. But I just assumed it was all a success. And you know what? Away. It's better. It's better. <laughs> it's better to be nice than, than not nice. Word. When, and and if anyone needed to be nice, it was him to me, not me to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he was kind of shitty. Like, even when I called him, when I just basically said, like, I'm really hurt and I don't, this kind of came out of nowhere. He was like, 
he kind of just brushed it off like, oh, well, our relationship was never anything and it was never meant to be serious. But I talked to you about Robin Williams' suicide. Right. And I was like, well, then yeah, it's why are you hitting me up constantly and like going on real dates? Not just. Yeah. This, not like it was not just fucking. There was cuddling. There was TV watch. There's a whole lot of yeah, Michigan like dating, but not dating kind of thing that I don't need to put up with. If I don't need to go play fucking video games with you, if we're just going to oh, fuck yeah, like yeah. at an arcade. You, yeah. Yeah, you don't just do that. <laughs> we can play them in your you, living You really room. like to spend time with someone if you're doing that. I don't know. So that was just, I thought that was... That's uh, not, yeah, I guess people... I never realized that theory of like people being nicer to others because of the because the new year. But I guess that does make sense because the other person you pointed out was like, oh, God, yeah. And it was weird because James was, was at this show too. And then I just like... And I and I tried... And then Did he some, get jealous? No, because James was in Damn, the other room pissed? fucking drinking. Ah, uh, were you kind of pissed? I was trying to run out so that... James, look what I'm doing. So that what? Ghosty Mc... No, I wanted to make Ghosty McGoldrickson be like, oh, hi, this is my boyfriend and he's right. the cutest. Yeah, but James was fucking trying to get a beer. James, yeah. And God damn it, James. And I was like, oh, James, you are never here when I need you to make other people that I <laughs> just in times of emotional turmoil that I don't care about anymore feel jealous. That's what you're here for. God damn it. I remember one of the first times I, I went somewhere. I actually went to his parents' house like very early on in dating Stephen. I, don't, I think this was before we called each other boyfriend and girlfriend, but I really wanted to seal the deal and I was trying to figure out strategies to do so and wow, like you, directly talking about it. Wow. And uh, yeah, it was very, well, because he had to do a video shoot where his parents live. So he's like, do you want to come home and, I mean, you would meet my parents, but it's not for that. And I was like, uh, okay. But uh, I remember we were at this bar looking for this old guy who danced called Crazy Legs that he wanted to do a documentary about. <laughs> I oddly remember that. It was, oh, it was a fascinating story. It's yeah. even such a good, like, documentarian. You guys should hire him if you're listening. Um, but uh, I remember we were at this bar, this, like, bowling alley bar thing in Reading, Pennsylvania or something. And uh, And this guy, I was sitting at a booth, and this guy came up next to me, and he put his arm around me. But my first reaction was, where's Steven? Has he seen this shit? Right. He's got to claim me. And then he didn't see it. And I was like, where the fuck did he go? And I couldn't get up, but I wasn't going to, I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to leave because then the guy would be like, okay, I wanted him to keep his arm around me just in time for Steven to see it. And then he did. And then Steven went, hey, that's my girlfriend. And I was like, I am. Nailed it. Creepiest dude, that guy, (laughs) but worth it. Get your hands off my girlfriend. Um, all right. I'm gonna read some emails now. Subject trigger warning dislike. Ugh, that nothing nothing makes me get up early in the morning with a really just sunny disposition more than emails from unhappy listeners. Yeah, uh, I like them. <laughs> hello, ladies. I am a, no, I mean it was my I, I wanted I I that I wanted to read it. <laughs> uh hello, ladies. I'm a big fan of the podcast. I think you guys do an amazing job at kicking slut shaming right in the balls. I've been but... listening for a while and I've noticed you both seem to have a real dislike for trigger warnings. Uh and with the word triggered itself, and I am really curious as to why. I am a social worker currently working as a therapist for victims of sexual violence. And so often I see people invalidating the experiences of survivors because the survivors are triggered, which is an actual clinical term, not just something a special snowflake made up one day. Uh, there's a huge stigma against this concept as well as uh, against trigger warnings themselves, which do exist in the real world. Every disclaimer at the beginning of every police procedural is a trigger warning. Movie ratings are trigger warnings required by law. But that's Good most. Point. Yeah. But that's also mostly for children. Not for, it's yeah. not like triggers hey, it's for ages. Yeah. A trigger warning is nothing more than a quick. Hey, the subject might be in the thing you're about to watch. Listen to. And it does exist in quite a few places. Mm hmm. 
I can understand why anti-feminists mock trigger warnings and the concept of triggering. It's another way to invalidate victims of sexual violence who are statistically women. But presenting the concept of being triggered or trigger warnings as ludicrous is part of rape culture. It's saying to victims that their feelings don't matter and probably aren't even real. I see this every single day in my office. And I got to say, I was a little disappointed to hear two women I think are total badasses reinforcing the idea that the word triggered is kind of dumb or that trigger warnings censor art. I don't think either one of you expresses these thoughts to be malicious or to strengthen rape culture. I mean, obviously not. Many of my clients have similar views on the subject. That's the insidious nature of rape culture. It very subtly makes damaging ideas, i.e. trigger warnings or censorship, the word triggered isn't real, let alone the experience of being triggered, normal, and no one is immune to it, including me. I had to really look at my own beliefs when I started practicing, and I think it's so important for everyone to question their beliefs and where those beliefs came from. Maybe you'll find you feel the same about the subject, and that's okay. It's just important to take that first step and critically think about why you believe something. Though I am slightly disappointed to hear echoes of rape culture in my feminist podcast, I mean, it's a comedy podcast. Uh, It's understandable given the society we live in. I think overall, you both do incredible and important work. And I look forward to seeing you live in Seattle. Um, Yeah. I like this email. Yeah, no, I like it too. And I like like to bring up things and and I like to read emails that disagree with things that we've said on the podcast just so that people don't think we're only reading complimentary emails right, about right, right. <laughs> Although um, there is a hell bonus episode we just read critiques and I gotta say it's pretty fun. Um, oh my god, yeah. Those are my favorite ones. Uh, yeah, and I, and I think it's uh, interesting to have a conversation and I certainly I mean, I'm not, I don't think triggered, being triggered is not a real thing. We were just yeah, talking earlier we did, in a yeah, meeting. We were, there Frank. was a long time when literally like the word, like saying the name Frank, even if it wasn't my Frank, like would seriously. Even saying I frankly think. Yeah, it would yeah. really bother me. To the point where I, it almost bothered me. <laughs> but I just, but and, and obviously that is way different and less important than uh, my rape experience. Yeah. But it, it's the same thing. And I feel like I just fucking got through it. And the reason that we don't use trigger warnings is like we've kind of discussed this before is not because we don't have empathy for victims of sexual assault by any means. I mean, that's one of the primary things we've been doing, especially in the past, like, you know, I would say six months to a year. Like that's been something that's really, really like it's our cause now. I, yeah. I feel very close to that cause for sure. The emails we get. Um, it's just that we take it from a different approach where we want our listeners to go out into the world being an army of fucking strong, invincible women. And men. And men. But yeah, I mean, mostly women. (laughs) But yeah, invincible people. Absolutely. Who, no matter what they're doing, if they're out uh, watching a comedy show, if they're seeing a play, if they're watching a movie and something comes up that triggers uh, a terrible experience, a traumatic experience, a hurtful, painful, physical, uh, emotional, sexual experience that they once had that not that they don't feel the feelings, Mm -hmm. but that they know how to deal with the feelings in the moment. Absolutely. I agree because I have certainly been triggered before. I've been triggered in the middle of a movie or Mm -hmm. during someone's stand up set. It was a a little bit ago. I remember they're talking about suicide and I know you know, with my mom and, and people that I know that have co- tried to commit it and stuff, I started having a panic attack and I was like, oh, I guess I gotta go. I gotta go. Ugh. But I wasn't, you know, you've said this a lot, Corinne, of you don't want to giving a warning about something 
is this almost like assuming that a person can't handle it. But even if a person is triggered and goes into a panic attack, like a lot of people have been for, for things like sexual assault mm-hmm. or, or just a traumatic experience, that's, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that that's not happening or that doesn't exist or that's not important how you feel. But I think learning to deal with it because we're very, you and I are very anti coddling. Mm-hmm. And and there have been things that we've talked about on the podcast. I forget exactly what they were, but we've almost been like, all right, just heads up. We're going to talk about something real dark. Like that one email that we didn't even read. We just summarized from the woman who was right. gang raped by her father at age 10 and her father's friends and escaped to a Kroger. Like right. that was uh, even summarizing it. I, I I, I had a hard time. Uh, but then the woman who wrote us that email emailed us back after we talked about it. And she's like, guys, I'm okay. Like, you didn't, you know, like, I'm fine. You don't have to. Well, it was more like mentally preparing ourselves to read yeah, the email. Exactly. Like giving ourselves a pep talk to read it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I mean, you know, that's, a, and you know, sure. I'm sure we've become a little bit jaded to things. Cause I mean, when you do oh, yeah, post sure. a podcast where you get uh, a feedback, a hundred emails a week about people about sexual assault and molestation, and oh, you just yeah. read the most horrific, terrible things, but it's, and it, it's not that we don't, we care just as much as we always did probably more honestly way more because um, now I know it's happening so often yeah that's the thing it's just a real thing that so many people have shared and I think well it's to the point where we a comedian made a rape joke on Facebook and you and I both were like dude no yeah nah man yeah. come on and that was one of our You're really better good friends. than that it's yeah. one of our really good friends yeah um and it's just it, it's it, but it was a rape joke about a specific person Making f- yeah and instance and that was the problem because you know this is going back to last week when we we were telling the comedian that yeah rape jokes happen and i mean you know a rape and joke- i've been offended by jokes like i don't Me want too, i feel sure. like some people think that we don't get offended by anything i don't get offended by a lot but i certainly get offended by some things when i do get offended i go why was I offended? Let me see, blah, blah, blah. And I just do some internal dialogue and yeah. then I move on. And it's not the comic's choice to do that. I also just feel like sometimes a trigger warning is going to make someone turn something off that they actually can handle. Yes. And actually, this is such a weird random memory that just popped up in my head. But I remember this very clearly. In fourth grade, we had to write down our weight. I don't know why it was like part of a info sheet, but it was, it was some project or some, some something creative. And I remember we had to write down our weight and I weighed in fourth grade, 76 pounds, whatever the fuck that meant. But I remember seeing people before that point in my life that would get upset about their weight or didn't mm. want to talk to people about their weight or didn't want to disclose it or women don't say how much they weigh or something like that. Like that idea was presented to me before this exercise in fourth grade. And I remember covering the 76 on my paper and my teacher Miss Mifflin, shout out. Uh, I really loved her. Was like, Christina, why are you covering it? And then I started to cry. And I'm like, because I don't want anybody to know. But I wasn't sad about it. I had I had been taught through example that people get upset over that. So I should get upset over that. And I know that's a, I was a kid. So that's a lot different. But mm-hmm. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like people do a lot of times get swept away, myself included, even as an adult of feeling this way as a reaction because that's what I've been told to how to react. Right. And just especially, especially with sexual assault in particular, uh, I feel like there's already such a stigma and a shame surrounding it. And a like, don't talk about that, that a trigger warning is just, is just even saying, reinforcing that fact that, Hey, we're about to talk about something really bad. Well, it's to the point where so many people have emailed us going, I was raped and I'm kind of fine. Is that weird? I'm Mm -hmm. like, no, it's not weird. I think the reason why they're asking if it's weird feeds into that a little bit. But like, obviously, if you're uh, speaking to somebody 
who it had just went through something extremely traumatizing. Like us, we're talking into a microphone. I don't know who's listening. We get feedback from audience or from listeners and stuff, but yeah. I don't, when we talk into the mic, I'm only looking at Corinne and thinking of me on my couch talking to Corinne. Like mm-hmm. I'm not thinking of uh, any specific person that might be listening that would be upset about it a lot of the time. So I think that that's another thing to reason why we kind of say like, look, we're not going to give warnings like this. Yeah, like just this. trigger warning every episode of guys we spoke of uh, fucked is going to ha- have the unexpected elements in them. And then just going for if if trigger warning, this show's going to blow your mind. <laughs> oh god. Trigger. Um but and it's also like, you know, we t- most times trigger warnings are about sexual assault, but there are other things. So it's like everyone has something that's going to trigger them probably whether it be you know murder we've had whether it be oh my god epic. yeah that was crazy someone was like i wish you would have given me a warning about some story random story we talked about because the girl was like because my dad was blue brood or my mom shot herself yeah and uh that she described a lot of things that i don't even want i'm not even gonna say but you know i was like good god i had no idea when we talked about that that I wasn't even thinking of that. Sure. And so it's, you, you never know what's going to pop up. And it's like, I mean, if we're going to be like that, you know, I'm sure someone was drowned in a, a jar of, you know, of pickle juice one time. So it's like, do we need to do a trigger warning when we talk about pickles? Right, right, right. Yeah, that's not the majority. That's not the majority of the trigger warnings that people want or is not from pickles. But it's like, we all have that thing that just makes us feel frozen when we hear it or when we see something about it on TV. And... It is just our school of thought that we can get past it if we conquer it, like face it head on. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. You can disagree. And I went through something traumatic and I could certifiably say that because when I went to therapy a long time ago, like a couple years ago, and they do an intake appointment and then Uh they place you with somebody at the end of my first session as I was like in tears, the therapist goes, oh, that's why they placed you in the trauma unit. I'm like, wait, what? Because you were crying? No, because of what I had been through. Yeah. (laughs) Well, because of, yeah, the the intake, uh, the first initial meeting, they placed me with a trauma specialist. Right. And And I didn't even know what I went through was trauma. But uh, looking back, I'm like, yeah, it makes sense. Right. But, you know, so this show is sponsored by Better help. Getting stuff off your chest is incredible. It's so therapeutic. We all carry around different stressors. Some of them are big. Some of them are small. A lot of them are very big, Uh, but we keep them bottled up and it could start affecting us negatively. And then we act like a jerk to the people we love. And we're like, this is not how I want to be. Therapy has saved my life personally. There are so many benefits of it. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. And it isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. Although if you have experienced major trauma, highly recommend. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designated to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you could switch at any time. Finding a therapist is like dating. They're not all going to work out in the first try. BetterHelp understands that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash guys to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash guys. Guys, the weather's getting warmer. It's time to say goodbye to your jackets and all your sweaters. And you got to refresh your wardrobe. Well, luckily... I found Quince, and now you have too, because you're listening to this. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And if you go to their website, the amount of categories, they have travel, lookbooks, men, women, home, babies, and kids— 
Their stuff is so cute. So I own a couple items from Quince, and one of them is the Italian leather handwoven crossbody purse in green, emerald, and I get compliments on it all the time. It's a small purse, which I really love because then I don't put as many things in it. Um, guys, Quince is amazing. They have very luxury items for very cheap prices. Get warm weather ready, baby, with Quince. Go to quince.com slash GWF for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash GWF to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash GWF. This next subject. Guys, you fuck to fish. All right. Hi, I'm a 44-year-old man who listens to your show. One of the things I take away is you ladies sometimes break gal code and reveal things that most women leave unsaid about being female in the presence of males. Being a single parent with almost full-time custody of my sons, I have these five to eight minute breaks in where they don't tow in my attention. I use this time to amuse myself by commenting online on political news stories in the local main paper. Sounds exciting. According to other people who disagree with my posted opinions, I am a libtard, snowflake, crybaby cuck who needs a safe place. Generally, the people who write these things have profile pictures of themselves with big fishes that I assume they caught themselves. Being a musician, I know that holding a guitar can be an asset in my game. So I'm wondering if you could break gal code and let me know if some women get turned on by dudes who can catch large fish. Is it a primal thing where she is looking for a provider in the wilderness? Does the size of the fish count? (laughs) Generally, most guys do what they do in order to get laid. There must be some kind of reward to catching and being photographed with a fish. Could you enlighten me? Thank you very much. (laughs) I love this email. That's great. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I am. I, I don't get my vagina does not uh, become saturated when I see a profile picture of a man with a big fish. Got to be real. But uh, but I know some people do. I lived in the South for 10 years. A lot of people's profile pictures, I'm sure, would have been if I, we had Facebook at the time with a, a deer they just shot. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. That's hunting was huge. And <clears throat> well, cause they, they actually gave incentives to hunters because there was an overpopulation of deer. But anyway, people would, I mean, God, you see pictures with people of the animals they've killed all the time. And that's maybe I don't, I'm against killing, you know, I mean, I eat chicken, so fuck me, but, uh, killing deer and then showing a picture of it. It weirds me out. But, uh, I know that there's people that get turned on by the provider aspect of a guy with a big fish. Yeah, or just like that you that you're doing something like athletic or outdoorsy. Like that's what one thing I really love about James. He's very outdoorsy. Yeah. He can <clears throat> fix cars, he can hang shelves. Like that's the kind of thing that I like because I need someone I can do all the other shit. I right. don't need help with any of that. That's cool to me because I need someone almost like a cart- different skills of the team. I need like a cartoonishly mannish person because <laughs> I feel like I'm such a tomboy already. Right. So I can handle anything like business, money, all that shit. I got that handle. You can't help me with that. Like uh, defending myself, but like I can't, I do not know how to change the oil in a car and I would like, and that you really need to know that it's sometimes. It's simpler than you think. You just gotta get a paper towel. Oh, I know. My mother can do it. Yeah. My mother can do all that stuff. I love learning that stuff. But uh, yeah, I, I, when I see a profile picture, I mean... <laughs> When I see a profile picture of a man with a fish, there's a lot of things that go across my head and uh, I want to fuck you is not one of them. That doesn't mean because they're usually wearing sunglasses and they're in those overalls that you wade in. And I just can't tell anything about your personality because I know I used to crab in the Chesapeake Bay 
all goddamn day. And that's why I didn't eat crabs for most of my mm. life because I fucking ate crabs way too much. And I barfed and they were awful. But, uh, you know, I did that kind of shit. And I, lo- I would go fishing all the time and I fucking loved it. It's really fun. Yeah. I'm not turned on by it. But I know that there are, um, I know there are women who love guys who hunt and are, you know, I'd fuck a guy camouflage with a things in his profile. That's because I'm like, oh, that that's cool. That means he like goes out and does things. He yeah. goes on trips. He I, like he had he's been he's on a boat. Concerned about living his best life, at least a little bit. Yeah, hunting disgusts me though. But you know, I just can't. That's, but I guess it's, it's like the sad. same thing. You kill a fish, you kill a deer. Is it different? I don't know. I mean, who are you, Nietzsche? I fuck think. You. I mean, well, fish do have like smaller like capacity for <laughs> for feeling and and oh. stuff like that. Octopuses, however, they octopi. Do- very more, sensitive. Very intelligent. Very intelligent. Don't kill octopus. But calamari is so good. Okay. Uh, I hate calamari. <clears throat> all right. Um, that's all. So, yeah, people f- like girls definitely. I know girls who would bang a guy. Yeah. Or be attracted of uh, to a profile picture such as that. Yeah, 100%. But, yeah, the fish should be big. Like, if a small fish, I would just, <laughs> I would just laugh. God, guys do everything to get laid. <laughs> oh, gosh. They just lay, lay, lay me, lay me, lay me. I'm going to build couches. Won't fuck me? (laughs) On the couch I build? So this week's guest, uh, really interesting. Very excited uh, to bring this person on. Um, This person is an American author, a playwright, a performance artist, a gender theorist, uh, and was assigned male at birth and received gender confirmation surgery in 1986. Really ahead of Damn. the game there. Uh, ladies and gentlemen and people who haven't decided yet or people who don't need to be uh, in a box <laughs> in a box of genitals of gender, uh, please give a warm welcome to Kate Bornstein. Well, I'm reforming I've been untrue And telling stories to the moon I feel unified when we are divided And I feel strong when I am say i was like it's always steen or stein what do you say i say both my my <laughs> father was insistent on stein my big brother was insistent on steen uh-huh is there my reasons mother... for the choices <sighs> like Einstein, None, I, would... I think stein is more the family name that's how he my father grew up, and Steen was more gentrified. Okay. Less Jewish, according to my brother. <laughs> right. And, yeah. he, was your brother trying to be less Jewish or wanted to be more Jewish? Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> Let's call it the Jewier Both. one. Both. A little, so, you know, I, I am a convenient Jew. Sometimes I Jew it up. Sometimes I Jew it down. You know, just whatever you want to do. I'm an I'm a Jew boo. Yeah. Jew boo. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Jewish Buddhist. And, you know, oh, oh, yeah. oh, I love that. I own them both. Nice. Our our friend and comedian Naomi Akparagan always has jokes about her her fiance now or yeah her fiance that she calls her Jew boo. Right. A uh, little Jew boo. It's so cute. <laughs> I love that word. <laughs> so uh, before we put the mics on, you were talking about uh, how we can ask you any types of questions except for mean ones. Yeah, and you don't strike me as mean, but. Mean is where I draw a line with people. I don't hang out with mean people. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't attack them back, but I just don't hang out with them. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, yeah. So I can I can only imagine what your experiences with mean people have been over the <laughs> years. Um, and I was kind of, I was, I was reading, now you got gender confirmation uh, surgery in 1986. What a politically correct term. Where well, you- I, I, I know because I was like, I know that some people call it gender reassignment, but then we were just talking before we her, got like, here. What's the difference? Yeah. How but it was the same. Yeah. How it's this technically the same, you know, process, but obviously confirmation. We're like, oh, that just sounds a lot better. It just feels more accurate yeah. to what's happening instead of reassigning. I don't know. But d- what meaning does that have to you? What do yeah. those two terms well, mean? Well, 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 <laughs> I went, I had my surgery in 1986, mm-hmm. I believe okay. it was. And um, back then, everybody called it a sex change. And the political forward thinkers called it sex reassignment surgery, SRS, which appears on um, all airbags in cars, which is kind of fun now. You can, oh, SRS, ho, ho, ho. (laughs) We laugh, but I I don't really call, we, you know, just call it the surgery. Right. And what kind of things did you, uh, when did you realize that that's something that you wanted to do? Oh. And what kind of what kind of uh, obstacles were you up against? Because with now with the with trans issues and stuff, it's 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 really exciting to see people paying attention to those issues. But I can't imagine the climate of that back then. And even at a time where people were like homosexuality is a sin, even though that still gets said, which is crazy to me. But it's like, I mean, it just seems like it would it was way worse then. It was certainly not spoken about. There was no one to go to and say, hey, what do I do with this feeling that I'm not a boy? And that was the first feeling. It's not that I'm a girl. I didn't know much about it. I didn't know what a girl is. Um, but I knew I wasn't a boy and there was only one choice if you weren't a boy. Well, then you had to be a girl. Mm-hmm. So I went on that proposition. And um, that was in like kindergarten you know you line up with the girls or the boys i knew i wasn't over with the boys and so i lined up with the girls and (laughs) teachers said oh no dear naturally yeah yeah they they looked like they were having more fun and and more importantly they weren't mean to each other at that point i mean no girls can be mean but yeah no that's not until high school (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah and it wasn't until high school that i heard about the possibility of surgery because i grew up knowing finally knowing that it it was all about your genitals. It was all about, you know, cocks and cunts. And uh, that was it. And I, so that's the school I grew up in. And because my father was a medical doctor, I listened to doctors. I was mm, very right. obedient. And um, when I was, oh, golly, eighth grade, eighth grade or seventh grade, 
uh, I saw a copy of the National Enquirer, uh, XGI Becomes Blonde Bombshell. And it was a story about Christine Jorgensen. Okay. Went, oh my God. Paid my dime. That's how much it cost in those days. And bought the paper, hit it, and read it for a week. And then I burned it. Well, ripped it up and threw it away someplace where my parents couldn't find it. And that's when I started looking in the mirror going, maybe that could change. Maybe that could change. And wanting to see myself in the image of a in the image of a naked cis woman, mm-hmm. that's what became my goal. And in those days, the procedure for sex change, the procedure for SRS or whatever, gender confirmation surgery, gender reassignment surgery, whatever you want to fucking call it. (laughs) The procedure was a cattle shoot. You had to do this, 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 and this, and then you went to surgery, and then all your papers were changed, and you were done. Um, The only other... the only other possibility for me was drag queen. And I always have loved drag queens, but I just thought I wasn't cute enough for that. I, really, really, really. I thought, oh, they are so beautiful and I would be so fucking ugly. So I, really. And, uh, and so I did that. And about six months later, I didn't regret it. But Six months after the surgery? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And thank you for calling it the surgery. You know, that's <laughs> cool. Uh, six months after the surgery, I was hanging out in gay AA. And <laughs> What's gay AA? Alcoholics Anonymous. Oh, oh, oh. Is there a special gay one? It was that's then. That's the one gay, I would want gay to go and to. Les- gay and lesbian meetings? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so, oh, that's interesting. Oh, fuck sounds yeah. Sounds way more fun <laughs> yeah, I mean, than straight AA. Oh, it was. It Just was, a bunch was. of sad, sexy shit, but gay AA sounds great. Yes, indeedy. Um, <laughs> but that's where I started meeting really cool, smart lesbians and dykes, two totally different identities. And they started questioning me. I came out in Philadelphia five years before my coming out. There was a trans woman who came out and immediately tried to take over the Philadelphia lesbian scene. So <laughs> people were glaring at me and I'm going, what, 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 what? And they were questioning male privilege, male energy. How could you be a woman? You weren't socialized like we were. And wow. I'm going, all right, all right, I'm listening. It's it's your identity. And uh, all right, let me think about this one. And that combined with the realization that as much as I'd spent 30 years of my life pretending to be a boy and a man, here I was pretending to be a girl and a woman. Wow. And I went, you know, not just, just neither of these work. And that's when I went into uh, neither nor, which was a huge, huge step back then. No one was talking about neither right, nor. Right, right. And, well, lots of people were, frankly, but not to each other. Yeah. You they know? were thinking it, but the, the like it was an internal oh, yeah, battle. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. interesting that, um, that those criticism, criticism towards you from women uh, about you didn't, you weren't, you didn't go through what I went through, but you went through not feeling uh, like the, the body, the box that you were put in when you were born made sense. Totally different thing. I grew up in the fifties and socialization was extremely 
tightly gendered. Mm-hmm. Uh, boys were socialized with a sense of entitlement. There was no getting around it, you were. And girls were socialized with a sense of domestic how, servitude. How, how so? Yeah. Uh, because I, I, I see that. And every time I kind of have that theory or I, I pitch that theory to somebody that I'm having an argument with, they're like, all right, well, and they just think I'm being some hoity-toity liberal freak. But, but uh, in what ways did you witness that uh, boys were socialized uh, to feel entitled? Like what? One of the first things I was told is that I had the possibility to be president of the United States. Mm. You know, that I was a Jew, of course, didn't enter the equation. (laughs) Right. You know, but um, there was no question of my ability to go to college, my ability to become a doctor, uh, my ability to rise through the ranks and be a success uh, independently independent of a relationship mm-hmm. and uh, for right. the girls growing up in the, that age no 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 uh great movie mona lisa smile okay okay Never uh seen. oh oh it's not a great movie it's a, it's a lovely julia roberts movie and um she's teaching art appreciation i think it's smith um in the 60s and in the 60s, women going to college were there in order to find a husband. Yeah. That was it. And it just started to change with the advent of feminist thought. That was new. That was totally new in the 60s. It wasn't new. There's always been uh, women who've been fighting for women's rights. For the right to vote. For the Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah there's yeah, always yeah. been. But the, the nuance of feminist thought really hit big in the 60s and people were calling feminists bra burners uh, because women did outside the on the boardwalk outside of the Miss America contest yeah a whole bunch of women Have threw their bras in the, and burned them the documentary mm-hmm. she's beautiful when she's angry no about the feminist movement in the 60s and and how seeing the women what they were asking for <laughs> It's just a quality. They didn't want to be to exist to get a husband. And everyone's like, whoa, calm down, lady. And it's like the fact that somebody could have that reaction to a thought that is not radical. It, it makes you feel crazy. It makes there's there's so many instances with me personally with feminism and talking to people about it where people's reactions are much stronger to a thought that I'm like, but that's just I don't want to. Maybe I don't want to have kids or, or whatever it is. And they're like, are you serious? So that that documentary really portrayed the uh, the audacity of these women, of Gloria Steinem and, and all these people and Angela Davis. Like it's it's it was so interesting to to look at that. And then us doing a podcast called Guys We Fucked. Oh, oh my God, I couldn't imagine the, <laughs> the oh, letters oh, oh. we would get mailed to no, us. No, 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 no. Impossible. Um, you be burnt at the stake. Um, my mother, as soon as I was able to go to school, like first grade, um, started going to school herself, got a degree in elementary education. And within three years, she was teaching first grade. This was unheard of. She was a doctor's wife. And so my mother modeled strong, independent woman for me. So I had that going for me. I knew I was, I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be a woman to hang on the the coattails of a wife. Um, And I understood that I expected a lot more out of life 
than the women my age that I was hanging out with. And I went, oh, okay. So now I have to question what I expect. And that was a process of two, three years divesting myself. And I don't think I have it anymore because you... Frankly, when you're a tranny, you divest yourself of most expectations <laughs> in the real world. On the internet, you That's don't. That's a bumper the- sticker right there. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, uh, what 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 were your parents' reactions? So they seem to be a little bit forward thinking, but what were their reactions to your to the surgery? Oh, 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 oh! I, I didn't come out until my father died. There's a Jewish tradition, if your child is extremely disobedient, you turn your back on your child, you rend your clothing, and you say, I have no child. Mm. Yikes. My father told me that's what he would do in the case I did something really, really bad. He told me this over and over again. his idea of bad at the time when he was talking to you, like, if I catch you with cocaine, or like... Yeah, were sexuality and, and gender ever discussed in the house? Like if you if you came out, I mean, I'm sure it would no, be more like a gay. No, no, My father was homophobic. Okay. Uh, clearly, clearly and vocally homophobic. Okay. There was no trans except Christine Jorgensen. Right. And trans wasn't a word. Transsexual was a, a diagnosis at the time, really. Like, um, a, like a mental disorder diagnosis? Oh, or? yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Right. Um, and... Calling ourselves transsexual in those days was a reclamation Mm. of a medical term, and we just bragged about it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I knew if I started, Dad, I'm really a girl, that would be it. That would be it. So I waited till he was dead, frankly. And a year later, I visited my mom uh, and said, you know, okay, this is what's going on. she says, wait a minute, what, what, what are you telling me? What are you telling me? And she said, if you go through with this, if you really go through with this, don't bother coming back to my house. You're not welcome here. How did that make you feel? Oh, well, I was full of myself. I, I, so you're like, I'd, fuck you, you're lost, ma. <laughs> no, not fuck you, but... Oh, well, I'm moving on this track. I still love you. Oh, that's not full of your... No, 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 no. I didn't say that out loud. (laughs) I I got in my car and I left. I drove back to Philly where I was living. My mom was on the Jersey Shore. And about three, four months later, a huge hurricane hit the shore. And I called my mom to see how she was doing. And she goes, hello. And she said she would never call me Catherine. She said, if I have to call you Catherine, you call me Mrs. Bornstein. Hmm. All right. So, hello. I said, hi, mom. She goes, Albert, hello. And I said, I just called to see how you're doing. I'm fine. She says, I'm fine. No, no, no worries here. And we talked a little bit. And she said, how are you, Albert? And I said, well, I'm having a rough time at work. People are giving me a hard time because I want to be a woman. And she told me later, she thought to herself, oh, baby, (laughs) you think you're having a hard time now? Wait till you are a woman. (laughs) She didn't say that out loud. I just started crying, though. And I, I can't talk anymore. And I hung up the phone. 10, 15 minutes go by. Phone rings. I pick it up. I say, hello. It's my mom's voice. She says, Catherine, 
And I said, yeah, ma. She says, look, baby, I called to tell you this. No matter how your world falls apart, and that's what happens, baby. You build a world. It falls apart. But no matter how that happens, you've always got the lovely heart I know you have. And I love you, Catherine. I always will. Oh. I know, right? (laughs) So. That's beautiful. uh, That's the kind of woman she was. Uh, Her gender really was not woman according to definition of woman in those days. Mm -hmm. But she was a lady. And it also seemed like your mom really grasped like how difficult uh, the, the challenges that women face socially at the time that she was uh, growing up and choosing to, to get a degree and choosing to go into a career. She, and, and I almost feel like she mama bared a little bit when she's like, you are having a bad time. Like no one makes no one makes fun of my daughter. Like Exactly. And that's really sweet. Exactly. So she kept mixing up pronouns, son, daughter, mm-hmm. names. I didn't fucking care. Right. Yeah. She's trying. Yeah. She, yeah. She it's loves exactly. <laughs> exactly. Damn. Um, yeah. I mean, speaking yeah. of pronouns, what what do you go by? What do you, what are your pronouns of choice? <sighs> it's such a conversation. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Even too. Because- Let's start with that, and then I'll tell you what pronouns. There you I go. Use. I don't think anybody asks anybody else what pronouns do you use. I think they're really finding trying to say, "What the fuck are you?" <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> If you see a, someone who looks like a cis woman, and these days I do, I look like a cis mm-hmm. little old lady, mm-hmm. and you think, okay, she, you just, you can make an assumption. Sure. Um, cis looking man, okay, he. But someone you're not quite sure, someone who doesn't match your defining characteristics for what's a man, that's a woman. Uh, what's your pronoun, dear? <laughs> no, no, uh, no, no, no. That sounds, that sound condescending? Does that come off as condescending to you? Also, your turtle is upside down, and I just want to make sure that that's okay. Yeah, it's okay, his, cool. his <laughs> self-defined challenge. He's a, he's a masochist <laughs> like, like me. That's he, he would be in bondage. He had a girlfriend for 35 years. Oh, like, man. She passed on a few years ago. Oh, he's probably reminiscent about it right uh, now. <laughs> so the insistence, this is also interesting. The insistence people have, use my right pronoun. Right. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We get scared. (laughs) No, 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 no. If you've made a change in your life and people have known you as one thing, they get big, big leeway. If they haven't known you and you do not appear to them to be cis, whether 90% of the people think you're quote unquote passing, or if that's even your desire. Right. Um... What difference does it make if someone respects your decision or not? Really, it's just a matter of ego. And that's a hard one to swallow. Hmm. That's a real hard one for trans folk to swallow. You know, you must. And no, 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 dear. No, 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 dear. When you try to change anybody to anything, if we were trying to change Donald Trump to think the way we do, that's Violence on our part to Donald Trump. We can't change the man. We can only attempt to reason with him or ignore the fuck out of him or resist him. We, oh, we're not going to change him. It's so true. Um, but to try and change someone, 
It's a very complicated thing. I'm dealing with this in a new book I'm writing. Best title of any of my books. What is it? Trans, just for the fun of it. <laughs> and um, that's great. Do people think that that people are trans just for the fun of it? Because I know some people think just they just want like attention. Oh, that would drive me up the goddamn Yeah, that's something wall. that we've that we've come and we're like, what do you? Why would anyone do that for? It's a lot, lot of, lot of work and struggle for attention. Not attention, mm-hmm. fun. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes. You know, yeah, I have so much fun. I worked really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Finally had a support group that uh, got together in Philadelphia. They kicked me out when I said I was a lesbian. So they said I couldn't be a real transsexual. Oh, my goodness. Wait, what the fuck? You're getting kicked oh, these out are, these here are old everywhere. Days. These are old days. These are old days. And it, interestingly enough, when my mother finally got it, that yes, you're a woman, dear, was when I told her I was a lesbian. She goes, oh, thank goodness. (laughs) She goes, if you tried to tell me that you're attracted to men, I know how much you love women, dear. Okay, fine. (laughs) I know, right? What a gal. (laughs) She was a gal. So which, uh, do do you have a pronoun of preference or? No, not really. Anything. I don't like he, but the fact of the matter is, in the last five or six years, I've become enjoying, I've been enjoying boy, Mm -hmm. uh, which is very different than man. People call you boy? My very dear friends who are also boys do, of course. (laughs) Um, But that's because I've said, this is what I'm being with you right now, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. And I don't think anyone calls me boy or he, not not in a long time, not without a mean intent. Yeah. But- if someone were to genuinely mistake me and just nicely referred to me like at a checkout counter, mm-hmm. here we are, sir. And I go, oh, not really. No, no, no. You always give the benefit of the doubt of that the person might be trying to struggle with, I don't know what you are. Mm-hmm. But if they look mean and insist and glare, walk away. What importance is it? Um that's taken me a long time. Yeah, that's, uh, I have a, that too. Do you think that's something about not ego, but um, just with with uh, facing diversity in, in, in such a way and really getting treated, which I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see, but how did you get treated uh, when you first got surgery or when, I mean, because we, Corinne and I, Corinne also informs me a lot about like, violence against trans women and just the the rate that especially trans women of color and just like getting brutally murdered i'm like i it just it it breaks my heart and i and i'm curious to um what kind because people ask us too like have you ever faced sexism in comedy i mean not i'm not really you know does it does sexism is everywhere but not it, it hasn't like held us back or been so violent or unbearable that we stopped doing comedy right and i just feel like you um you know you're you went through this stuff a lot earlier and it's still a hard issue to talk about and people still seem even like progressive people who listen to the podcast we had on Uh, a guest who identifies as non-binary and people just really, really couldn't wrap their minds around it. And this is 2017 now, young people in 2017. So it's just, 
It's weird that when someone doesn't understand something, their reaction can tends to be like anger and mean, just nasty. I'm like, why are you so afraid of something you don't understand? It's okay if you don't get it. Yeah, I caring what other people think of us is a lifetime lesson, a lifetime journey to throw away. Yeah. I'm not saying that everybody should immediately allow people to use whatever pronoun they want. I think it's a part of self-journey to say, no, 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 no. I really need to hear you refer to me as he. I really need to hear you. Put it that way. Mm-hmm. I need hmm, to hear you refer to me as she. I, I, I'm still coming to terms with it myself. It feels really great, and I would appreciate it. Not, fuck you, don't. Yeah. And that's the initial all of us have that initial fuck you. Fuck Which you. I understand. I understand but it too. But that doesn't mean but it's the best way to conduct. Eh, you have to get over it sooner or later. So yeah. really, the sooner you start practicing encouragement rather than censorship. Um, mm, good way to put that. Uh, uh, the sooner the better. That's yeah. a great way to put that. Yeah. I mean, because I, I would love to hear what advice you would have, because there's a group that I um, sometimes work with called New Alternatives, and it's a youth center for the LGBTQIA youth. Um, and I was talking to um, a, a, a girl named Christine who was in the process of transitioning. And she, I just felt this rage in her because outside, of course, she looked like what you or I would be like, oh, you're a a, a guy, but she, she felt and is a, a girl. And I was trying to have a conversation with her kind of to be like, sometimes people aren't calling you him to be malicious. They just don't understand. So I was like, I think maybe you would get a lot further if you simply like gently remind people. But, it, you know, I don't know what it's like right. to be her. And she's 25. And I, I just I I I know what it's like to be 25 and, and so fucking angry. So what do you tell young people who are going through this? I would say I am so sorry, baby. Oh, I know how much that fucking hurts. And it will continue to hurt for most of your life. Um, what I recommend, I recommended, uh, been recommending this for a while now. You can get cheap business cards printed up like a hundred for five bucks. Yeah. Print up a little. I understand you think I'm a man and you call me he. This isn't the case. I'm transgender and I am in the process of transitioning. It would really help me and be a lovely, humane thing to do. And we could be actually become friends if you understand me to be a woman and called me she. And just hand that to the person. Mm, yeah. It... Uh, because especially if you're not capable of ta- saying that because you're, you're filled with Anger rage. takes your words sometimes. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Well, <laughs> it takes my words a lot. I live with borderline personality disorder. And so what the basis of that is, is black and white thinking. Everything's good or bad, on or off. That's it. Right or wrong. Basis. That's one basis. And the other basis is we have very little control over our emotions. 
period. Mm. When we're happy, we it's not bipolar. It's borderline. We just can't control it. The therapy is called dialectic behavioral therapy, where we learn to untrigger ourselves. Mm. And where we finally get to spot the point of being triggered. And I'm using, I, I'm PTSD and borderline. So I'm using triggered in the old clinical sense of right. putting you right back in the middle of your trauma. Uh, nowadays, trigger is redefined to mean I feel very unsafe. I feel uncomfortable. I feel in danger. Yeah, we just had a conversation about the word trigger. Okay. All right. So... That's a valid thing to not want. If you don't want it, all you have to do is say to yourself, I'm being triggered. As soon as you say that, you've stepped back from the trigger moment and you can take a moment and breathe and go, wait a minute, is this person intending me harm? Did this person just slip? Is this person really goading me? You get yeah, to make these decisions thinking. once you send back. Thank you. Once you step back, uh, I'll be writing about this in the new book too. Because <laughs> if you want to have fun, you're going to push people's buttons. Um, <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> Could I ask you a question about just your sex life? Do you mind? <laughs> sure. Do you like talking about fucking? <laughs> sure thing, baby. So what What did, uh, did you ever have sex prior to surgery? Oh my God. I was married three times. Oh shit. I, okay. I was like, you know, I love women. Uh-huh. I love them when I had a penis. <laughs> I love them when I have a vagina. I, I, oh golly gee whiz. I love women. Sex was a lot of fun with a penis. I, I just didn't. wonder what it's like to have a penis. Right? <laughs> And you know, yeah. you see these trucks going around the city, snap on tools. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Someone is going to eventually make one where you get the feelings. Oh, not in our lifetime, probably, but, oh, it's great. It's really great. I would just stick. I would just hit everything with my penis and just put my penis in a jar of jelly and just to see. Oh, jerking off is <laughs> just one of the funnest things yeah, ever. And you get awesome. this, you get this really speedy orgasm like yeah a speedy woo um <laughs> just an eruption like my a volcano girl, my girlfriend yeah barbara corellis uh teaches sex she's got teaches a book. sex yeah that's what she does for a living um yeah i know i was like you guys are both oh, so, much, so much information <laughs> you want you want to talk with her she's uh got a school of thought and practice about sex and sexuality called Urban Tantra. Her Ooh. book, Urban Tantra, is the first sex book ever written with trans people in mind. Oh, that's awesome. Which is really nice. cool. Anyway, um, what she says is, look, we've all got the same jello down there between <laughs> our legs. It's just in different molds. And good point. Really, it's all the same nerve endings. Uh, it's all the same muscles. It, you know, a few different glands, sure. Yeah. 
But she calls uh, um, the typical, quote unquote, typical, the, that quick release male orgasm that most men think is their only possibility or most people with penises think is their only possibility. Peace spot, baby. She calls it a, a volcano orgasm. Oh. Yes, exactly. Um, but there's, once I had the surgery, a week after I was back and from the hospital, I had been dating this lesbian woman and she gave me my first non-penis orgasm. We were lying in bed and it was heaven to not rush. It was wonderful to explore subtle and more nuanced feelings. Most people with penises don't allow that for themselves. They don't know that it's possible. And I'm not talking about multiple orgasms, although anybody can have multiple orgasms. Usually um, ejaculation for people with penises is a downtime. After that, it's a (laughs) downtime. So some people practice coming right close to that. Some people practice. There's lots of ways. So, but oh my golly gosh, that was wonderful. (laughs) And it's just a whole other new way to have sex. That's great. And yeah. I, I, one of the things that's uh, maybe an odd question, but there's so many that I'm learning, uh, so many different types of vaginas. Corinne and I have talked about this a lot. Like I have, um, more of an innie, she has an Audi and apparently like, I didn't, I didn't even realize that people with, uh, Audi vaginas, whatever the fuck that means, feel ashamed. They get, uh, uh, surgery, cosmetic surgery on their vagina that has nothing to do with their ability to orgasm and can possibly desensitize them. Like that's so nuts to me, but there is this stigma that I kind of learned about since like doing the podcast was the doctor like, what kind of pussy you want? Yeah. Cause they uh, look, there's so many different <laughs> kinds. Did you get to customize it? Yeah. Where you're like, <laughs> I want my pussy too. Like, in my days when I was doing it, uh, there was no customizable. There was, there were like two or three people, doctors in the States that were doing it. And you could go to Morocco, um, Casablanca and have it done. But that was pretty much it. Um, the, the first surgeon and urology team I went to in Philadelphia to ask, you know, I, I want the surgery. They were interviewing me and, you know, and, well, tell me about being a woman. And I told them, and then I told them I was a lesbian. They said, what? You said, well, you want children, right? I said, no. Don't you want a family and a husband? I said, no. And they refused me on the grounds that I wasn't a real woman. This was back in the day. But the funny part about it, I swear by all that's holy to me, the surgeon's name was Dr. Razor. The urologist's name was Dr. Wiener. No. I swear to God. <laughs> Hello, Razor and Wiener, general surgery. What can we do for you? Wow. <laughs> do you want us to razor off your wiener or what? Anyway, it was Damn. just, and I finally went to Jesus. a guy down in Southern Colorado, a place called Trinidad, Colorado. His name Whoa. was Stanley Biber. He was part of the MASH unit. They wrote the book and movie and television series. He knew hot lips (laughs) and some trans woman wandered in one day in, in the seventies or sixties, actually, I think it was late sixties, early seventies and said, I want this surgery. And he goes, I don't know how to do that. So he says he wrote away to Johns Hopkins for the blueprints and, um, figured out how to do it. 
Oh, because it was a challenge. It was interesting to him. And he was used to doing what they call meatball surgery during the war. So he could do anything with any kind of tissue. Cosmetics wasn't his strong point. Of course not. He he just really wasn't. Today, my goodness gracious, yes, you can customize it. Different doctors produce different kinds of vaginas. And some doctors can produce an assortment of vaginas. Yeah. That's a whole new level. Oh. Pick a pick a pussy. So I mean, is the process I mean, it's described kind of like to people who don't know anything about the surgery is like you like slit your penis in half and flip it. Is that Yeah. Yeah. Ah, oh, yeah. You you open up, you slit your penis, right. uh pull out all that spongy corpiosum stuff, uh-huh. uh leaving a bunch of it. This is what Dr. Biber did. He left a bunch of that spongy stuff Mm -hmm. and braided it, put it up through the top of what became the opening of my vagina and all those bundled up nerve endings. Because, you know, when you squeeze a guy's penis, you go, oh, yeah, that's (laughs) because all his nerve endings are there. Mm -hmm. The same nerve endings are there that are in most cisgender women's clitoris. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I have a I have a nice I can get nice clitoral stimulation. Right, that was such a relief to hear because I think there's like a people think that if they get the surgery, they're not going to have the same same sensations that they would have. You won't. Yeah. So it's 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 different, but it's it's, but you can feel it. You're not numb. Yeah. You have to sign a disclaimer saying I understand that I may never have any feeling in my genitals mm. ever again. Okay. I understand that my labia might fall off. I understand that off. this could close up. I understand that a fissure could open between this and my, oh, you have to shit. sign away everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of everything is good and, and certainly today the techniques are better. But yeah, they slid it up and then they turn it back in itself so, and pull it up inside, kind of like pulling a sock inside mm-hmm. out. Uh-huh. And so what was the outside of my penis is now the walls of my <gasps> vagina. So you're, I'm going to assume, your clitorises <laughs> are much more sim- s- sensitive than mine. Mm-hmm, okay. But the inside of my vagina much more sensitive yeah, than yours. Oh, that's cool. Okay. A lot right. of women can't come from just a penis in them. So, right. but I'm like, if all those nerve endings from the clit were up in there, whew, I've been fucking everyone. To well, tell. not all because <laughs> there's many. Uh, clitoris is the only organ in the human body. That's only there for pleasure. The only organ. Mm-hmm. That's a good point because I'm like, I guess it doesn't really serve any other purpose. No. Yeah. And, and the roots of the clitoris. Oh my goodness gracious me. I don't have those kind of uh, entanglements and wonderful <laughs> yum. No, 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 no. So what's, so do you visit a, an OBGYN regularly is, or? I go to Callan Lord Community Health Center here. Okay. And all kinds of trans people are patients there. So mm-hmm. the regular, um, my primary care physician who I picked, who picked by random, and I love her with all my heart, and I acknowledge her every time I can. Um, they just know, okay, yeah. all right. So, yes, do I get uh, an examination for, oh, what's that called up in prostate? the prostate? Thank you, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure, I get a prostate. I have a prostate. Right. Mostly it's dried up and gone, right? Because I'm old <laughs> and I've been, my body's been on estrogen for a long time. Um, now, 
I'm talking a lot about my body, my sexuality, especially my genitals. Mm. Many, many, many trans people don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. You were very respectful when you asked, even though I had given you blanket permission. No, that's how you proceed Mm -hmm. because not everybody wants to talk like this. Mm -hmm. Back in the day, we had nothing to lose. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You want to see the surgery? Let me show you. Waka waka. Oh my God. (laughs) And, uh, you know, and and some of us, they're they're still, (sighs) it's the difference between, Queer and straight are redefining themselves as Mm. words. Queer now more than homosexual, which is what it used to mean. Queer now means in broader terms, a more radical left-wing view of gender and sexuality. Straight simply means a more conservative view of gender and sexuality. To the point where Most straight people will say, hey, 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 none of your business what's between my legs. None of your business what I do when I close my door. Don't, no, that's insulting. And most queer people will go, oh yeah, you want to see my surgery? Let's do it in the road. (laughs) And um, and of course that's a spectrum. Um, But the difference is enough to make LGBT add a Q. Mm. For queer, mm-hmm. I know there's another cue for questioning and not anything, <laughs> but there is a cue for queer. Why? Because LGBT doesn't consider itself queer in that sense. LGBT is now much more conservative in, in gender and sexuality. Mm. Nothing wrong with that. We all have some queer. We all have some straight. I'm mostly Great. queer. My gender expression however, is straight. Uh, one of my great joys is, is going out and being, uh, looking like a delightful little old lady. Yeah, <laughs> it's my great joy. <laughs> so. so what other things though bring you joy? Like, uh, uh, what other things, uh, bring you joy? Just good question. Just in general. Well, you seem happy. This, yeah, this is, uh, again, the topic of my book, trans just for the fun of it. Um, There's lots of different ways I have fun. There's uh, a way I avoid having fun is having fun at someone else's expense. Mm. That's, no, no. Um, There's, I mean, I love walking down the street and smiling at people. (laughs) That's wonderful. Um, I like watching Great British Bake Off. That's a lot of fun. (laughs) Sounds nice. Um, Love art, I think. It seems it's, I love your uh-huh. Collection, yeah, right. Damn. Uh, yeah, this is both Barbara and I have built all this up over you know almost twenty years. We've been together. Yeah. That's so cool. A twenty of, years, wow. A lot of times you walk into someone's apartment and you don't really get a sense of who that person is. And I feel like not you, the case with you. Not the case. <laughs> it's nice. Well, I love like I my, the space I live in. I take a lot of uh, not pride, but more like I make it a uh, priority to like feel good, whatever the fuck that means in the space I live in. So it's like, let's go to a thrift store and just like buy all the weird crappy 
uh, framed photos with weird sayings that we totally disagree on because that just makes me happy to look at. That's because I roll my fun. eyes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's another version of fun. And if you want to get into deeper and more profound versions, all that fun we've been talking about though is fleeting. What's it's all pro- going to go profound, deep fun. I want that. You have that every day of your life. Um, A more profound and deeper fun is loving someone and when someone loves you. Yeah, it's pretty fun. That's the fun, one of the funnest things ever. But that is also fleeting. That's going to change. How so? It's going to go away. You're going to change your mind. You're going to be incompatible. (laughs) You might have a loving friendship which would be a way of deepening that, but it's going to change. That's the nature of everything and everyone. Everything changes. Everyone changes all the time. The most profound fun there is though, oh, helping other people to ease their suffering and finding their own personal way to happiness. That's an indelible fun. That's one you take to bed with you at night. That's one you wake up smiling with. That one never leaves you. Yeah, that's some, one of such a great feeling mm-hmm. of of helping fellow humans. Right. You know, helping is a little different. Yes, or, we, we we provide comfort and aid. Yes, mm-hmm. that's a big deal. But more importantly, asking them what's causing them suffering, mm. asking them what gives them great joy, and then helping them achieve those things. Mm-hmm. But yes, of course we want people to eat. Of course we want people to have shelter and those things we can assume. But the, the deepest kind of fun is knowing that you've eased someone's suffering and you've helped them laugh. No, I know you've done a lot of work as far as like performance artists, playwrights. So in what ways are you most proud of of helping people uh, ease their suffering? <sighs> Pride's a weird thing. <sighs> Pride is looking backwards. And, and it's taken me a long time to articulate. When you say, I'm proud of, of the book I wrote, Hello, Cruel World, 101 Alternatives to Suicide for Teens, Freaks, and Other Outlaws. Wow, that's saving lives. Mm-hmm. I, I did that 10 years ago. I'm proud I'm not pr- yeah. Proud pride is also fleeting, my darlings. It <laughs> it goes away. Well, I think you find new things to do to hopefully be proud of. I don't think maybe that's not why you do them, but you get you feel a sense of pride in in accomplishing a goal that you really had to work hard for or something, just facing adversity in any way. Yeah. But then you kind of want to set new goals for yourself. And that's the problem with institutionalized LGBTQ pride. Hmm. Um, this is what sets us at each other's throat intergenerationally because older LGBTQ are proud of what they did, mm-hmm. proud of what they did and are suspicious of any changes that a younger generation might be bringing to what they did. And that's the danger of pride. That's ego. There's ego attached to that. I think that bingo, example. bingo, bingo. Yeah. Self-serving, uh, grabbing at me, 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 me. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do we most take exception to with 
the president-elect is that he is such an egocentric, me, 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 turns everything to himself. That should give us an idea of what to avoid in our own behavior. <laughs> yeah, I hope. Well, this is a good lesson. He's he's a great, he's here on earth to teach us, don't be like that. I yeah. spent, I spent... 12 years in the Church of fucking Scientology. Holy shit. Whoa. What right? the fuck? I got That's in That's the craziest early. thing you've told us so far. <laughs> See? Um, Tell me about that. 1970, I got in. Damn. 1981, end of 81, I got out. Uh, I got in pretty close to the beginning of Scientology. And I pretty much went right to L. Ron Hubbard's secret location ship. I was what? first yeah. mate on his 364-foot yacht. What? Did uh, you have to mop and stuff and scrub That floors? was some of the funnest time of my life. <laughs> what? Wow. Oh, I was in charge of the decks. We were off the coast of Portugal and Morocco and the oh, Azores. And the sun would be out and I'd be out on the deck either laying tar between the wooden planks or I'd be scrubbing the deck or I'd be hanging over the side fixing up rust pinpoint rust leaks uh, I did that for close to a year it was the most fun of my life in terms of ah oh, great 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 you just go on a boat <laughs> now yeah um, it's when I got into the administrative machinations of Scientology uh, that that was the deep trap. Um, I don't know why did I bring that up. Well, that's I'm fascinated. I mean, I've been following the Leah like, Remini. Uh, yeah, right. Have you been watching here. that? Yes, but I was in Scientology before David Miscavige came to power. Okay, because he was a it real has, asshole. It sounds like from that. Well, Hubbard was. Hubbard was troubled. Out there. <laughs> David Miscavige is following L. Ron Hubbard's policy and amping up the volume of it. Uh, Hubbard. If he didn't like what you were doing on the ship, he'd order you thrown overboard. Oh, what? He'd order he ordered uh, little eight year old children down in the chain locker, which is where the chain for the anchor Mm -hmm. is stowed up in the front of the ship. They pull in the chain. It sits in a box up front of the ship. He would put a little eight year old down there for a whole day. Ooh, okay. Right. He He was not a nice man. Did he like go back and get him? Or was just were like people, yeah, were people yeah, being killed? You would be thrown a rope. Oh, okay. okay. Well, yeah, but uh... you'd have to pull yourself up two stories, basically. Now, one hmm. thing I noticed with uh, very few people that I talked to that kind of, uh, uh, I remember your, uh, Jonesy was saying that he was at a point where uh, in his relationship where he kind of was questioning himself and want to get better and, and somebody recommended taking a class at a Scientology center. And uh, he's like, for whatever reason, it, it did help me because we were kind of, we I was totally being judgy. I'm like, what? I thought you were better than that. And he's like, well, I was in a tough place. Okay, give me a break. I'm like, all right. <laughs> but one of the things he said was they got dirt on him basically by not saying, so what do you got? What are your secrets? But basically saying, what do you want to work on in your life? What are you ashamed of? What are you? And then grasping were, weaknesses. Yeah. yeah. Did, did that. Uh, That's exactly what they do. Yeah. Um, and they, they, you enfor- to do. they enforce disconnection. Uh, mm, if yeah. you leave Scientology, your family and friends have to say, I'm never going to speak with you or talk with you or write with you again. Mm-hmm. I have a 42-year-old daughter and two grandchildren. I haven't seen my daughter since she was nine. What? I never I met my grandchildren. Because I know. They believe that 
it's my big regret that I brought her into this world in the arms of Scientology. <sighs> oh, she was raised with that shit. And she believes that um, for some reason I became evil. Because you wanted to get out of it? Yeah, because I did. Um, (laughs) And um, what's more, when you leave, they have something called fair game. Mm. By L. Ron Hubbard's directive, anybody who criticizes or even leaves Scientology is subject to fair game. You can lie to them. You can trick them. You can destroy them. Those are his words. Them meaning the people who decide to leave? Yeah, you've seen Shit. this on the Lear yeah, Lear, Lear, program. absolutely. And so I I was scared for the fucking longest time. Um, you know, like the day after I left, they they got together the whole crew and announced that Al Bornstein likes to wear ladies' underwear. Ah, I was gonna <laughs> say, what was their perceived dirt on you? Oh, they're homophobic and transphobic. Did you know that going in? Yeah. Like when you went yeah. in? I, Groucho Marx's best line, you know, I'd never join a group that would have me as a member. <laughs> yes, right. that's a right. great line. Yeah. Um, wow, yeah. I wanted good. to be cured. I, I was just, say, oh, mm, shit. Okay. Yeah, I yeah, did yeah. not want to want this. Right. <laughs> that's <sighs> a common, we've talked to people who, one guy, Alistair, uh, got uh, two exorcisms from the church to try and rid himself of his homosexuality. And then by there, there was a point where he's like, yeah, I'm just gay. I'm going to be gay. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what's scary. You know, it's, I, I can't imagine like want, clinging to something or person that can offer you perhaps solace and say, well, I can make it go away if you want. And uh, I can not imagine Not even that. if you want. Oh, not I even will. if you want. You right. will. You're not going to come join Damn. us if you, if you give in and to that, these tendencies. Was that your reason for wanting to join? Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to stop wanting to be a woman. Mm-hmm. Damn. It was. I mean, <sighs> what was the worst thing you saw? Like you witnessed d- during your tenure? I just, I've heard the worst things. I'm like, really? God damn. It's, it's. Uh, the rehabilitation project for us. You, you, you treat members of that unit as as animals they're not allowed to eat during meal times until everybody else has eaten and then all the only thing they can eat is table scraps left over from people's plates they have to run everywhere they cannot walk they cannot uh, initiate conversation with anybody they have to call they have to defer to everybody as a uh, as a boss basically uh, and God. they have to spend six hours a day confessing horrible crimes. What are they being rehabilitated for? Nowadays with David Miscavige, um, basically at his whim. Okay. Just someone who just decides is not following the rules yeah. the way I like this person's out of line. Yeah. Damn. And it what would, would happen if you didn't, uh, if you did address somebody or you took a sandwich or something without. There's something called the RPF is the rehabilitation project force. There's something called the RPF's RPF. <laughs> I swear to God. A lot God. of checks and balances. Oh boy. Yeah. 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 Uh, there's even a, a special RPF for children. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a scare. That's, that's. That's scary. Well, that that documentary really the, highlighted the abuse that the kids went through and getting beaten. I'm like, Jesus. No, did you? You said you were married 
three times. Yeah. No, is it the conversations about wanting to be a woman or not feeling like a man? Were those things that you had with your, your ex-wives? Not the first two. (laughs) But then the third? After I got out of Scientology. Yeah. I think in this, all right, this'll help. This'll help. This'll, this'll stop. This'll make a real man out of me. Was your wife like, why are you doing this? (laughs) My wife was, you're not transsexual. You're a mama's boy. Uh, yeah. And so I wanted to believe that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we were together for f- how many years? Maybe four or five years. And then my father died. And this pressure to be the perfect mm. son, this pressure to be a man, self-imposed pressure lifted the fuck off of me. I went, oh, and my wife, my third wife, was completely aware of this has been something I've been facing since kindergarten, kid. It hasn't gone away. Uh, and I just moved forward. We had not an amicable divorce, but a fair one. That was what we insisted on for each other. We were fair to each other in dividing up property and dividing up and making sure that we were not mean to each other. Mm-hmm. And so, and then uh, I tried to get back in touch with her a couple of years after my transition. And we met for coffee and she said, this is the last time I'm going to talk with you. My therapist says, what I need now is new friends, not the memory of a dead husband. Dead. Oh, Okay. How did that make you feel? Sad. Sad. I go to sad before I go to anger. Sad can turn into anger if I start justifying it. You know, oh, <laughs> yeah. don't make me sad. Um, but I, I you know. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, we I know you are short on time, but just before we wrap, I know we had been talking about your your the first book you wrote, Gender Outlaw, was that the first one? And you said you had some things, some goofs you had made that you wanted to maybe clear up on thank the air. You. Of thank course. You, thank you. Yeah, it just came out uh three months ago. Updated new diversion, new version, new edition. Uh almost twenty-five years anniversary. Um, when I wrote Gender Outlaw, the book wasn't about transsexuals. It wasn't about being a man who wants to be a woman. It was about, I am not a man. I am not a woman. And trying to communicate that. There was no word like non-binary. There right. was no word like right. binary. <laughs> uh, no, there wasn't. We, in, we were kind, we had borrowed someone's word. Someone had invented transgender. And a bunch of us in San Francisco stole the word and used it as an inclusive term for anybody who's fucking around with gender. Okay, that was cool. Um, when I wrote the book, I was, I, I'm going to use today's language to describe what I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was saying I'm non-binary. And when we make a pronouncement that we live outside any binary or that you're in any kind of way outlaw, gender outlaw, and you defend that, which is what I did in the first edition of the book, I laid in a new binary. And it basically said non-binary is good and true. And binary is always false. Mm. And 
not at all, doesn't help anybody. And I laid that in. And that was insulting and dismissive to a whole lot of trans people who get great, I wouldn't call it pleasure, but their, their suffering is eased to such a big degree when they finally can say, oh, I'm a woman. Oh, I'm a man. That's a huge relief. I had that for six months. I know that relief. And that book uh, and that, and I only recently realized that, yeah, yeah, I fucked people over in that book. It was good to say there's such a thing as non-binary. But in this new edition, I'm going, all right, let's take a look at what a binary is. A binary, take a circle. Put everything about gender in the circle, everything, everything in, then divide it in half. And you can only be on one side or the other. That's a binary. As soon as you enter a third, as soon as you question the validity of a binary, it shatters. Same circle is there with lots of binaries in it. Mm. Man and woman, cis and trans, butch and femme, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Uh, there's spectrums, there's spirals. There's any kind of way you want to look at gender. This circle is now called a dialectic. The nature of a binary is uh, a battlefield. Because as soon as you want something from the other side, it's perceived as an attack. Yeah. Mm. And there's no way to get it. Whereas if you're in a dialectic and you acknowledge, yeah, 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 okay, I want something from the men's side... But, hey, there's lots of ways of looking at gender, lots of rights, and we can all do this. And, and people on the men's side go, yeah, I get it. You're not taking anything away from me. But you can still identify as a binary identity. Why not? There are lots of truths about gender, lots of them. What do you one, think is a big one? I, I'm coming to that. Actually. Sorry. No, 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 no. It's okay, a good question. There no, 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 no. It's a good. It, 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 this is kind of the, the crux of this whole new book. Um, three years ago now, I attended a three day teaching by the Dalai Lama at the Beacon Theater here in New York with about 3,000 other people. And the title of his fucking teaching was <laughs> Profound Wisdom. And vast compassion, the essence of eloquence. Tibetan Buddhists define eloquence as the telling of a truth in such a way that it eases suffering. Hmm. The more suffering is eased by your telling of a truth, the more eloquent you've been. In order to parse this in the conventional day-to-day -day world, you know, just getting along, nothing profound or spiritual about it. In the day-to-day -day world, there's basically two kinds of truths. Binaries are not bad, by the way, as long as you're conscious about them and don't insist on them. and Don't try to force them down other people's throats. So there's basically two kinds of truths. Definitive truth. Very simply stated, most of them, they're nothing startling. You go, yeah, well, uh, everyone dies. Mm -hmm. That's a definitive so truth. True. Okay, Good. can't argue it. And arguable truth. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> there's the door. <laughs> <laughs> do you want me to? Do you want me to get it, or do you want somebody? Could you kindly? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, I'm <laughs> expecting 
a new suitcase. I travel for all my <laughs> tours and my suitcase is worn out and my girlfriend got me in oh, a suitcase. Oh, well, that's very nice. I'm glad that the suitcase is here. I think that's what's probably here. Or it's just someone... I, I always imagine like cool people in New York have like just random visitors, but that never happens. No, that me. happened a lot in Seattle. Oh yeah. When I was living in Seattle. Yeah. We'd leave our doors open. Oh my goodness. We've, we've, we're going to Seattle this weekend. I've never been. She's never been. It's a little different now, <laughs> but uh, I can imagine. It's a little different now. Yeah. A little friendly. I mean, the fa- my favorite place I went to the pa- this past year was Denver. And just everyone was like, I, I'm now friends with an Uber driver who's like coming to one of our shows. And that's not me in New York at all. I would never do that. I would be like, oh, why is this Uber driver talking? I don't know. I just, I think we all shut down a little bit in New York. What kind of shows bit. do you do? Um, we do comedy shows. We're both stand-up comedians. And then we just also uh, did this podcast together. Will you like... Um send me notices. Oh yeah, absolutely. We're going on tour right now, so we're not doing it in New York, but, um, we're actually, I think working on something, um, for, yeah, like, like, uh, to raise money for one of the groups that I, w- I talked about earlier. Yeah. Right here. Is that okay? Yeah, what is that? That doesn't look like a suitcase. It sure doesn't look like it's a suitcase. It's from, oh, it doesn't say the person. It just says John, uh, Columbus, Ohio. Who's it to? Uh, Kate, what's you I can't imagine what this is. Uh oh, you got a present. Open it on air. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope it's just a box of dildos and then it, we can come full circle. What? I hope this isn't my suitcase because I was expecting it to be much larger than that. Is it a duffel? Uh, sort of. Oh, then Do not open with a sharp object. Give me a knife. As you cut through and then we'll get back to the truth of truth and all that (laughs) shit okay this is thrilling hi doggy you've been so well behaved oh this is cat food (laughs) cat food all right all right good i was expecting that too my kitty has um terrible terrible infection on her mouth that she oh. got from we, we took her in off the street and she we put her on she had to go on steroids to clear it up that oh. gave her diabetes and she's insulin oh, dependent and allergic so we have to order her food specially. special cat food yeah expensive Aww. fucking cat <laughs> i love her she's my favorite thing in the whole world okay where was i on truth okay oh. definitive truth yes yeah. simply stated usually mostly no need to elaborate mm-hmm. And not at all surprising. Arguable truth. Um, Szechuan food is the best fucking food you can ever eat. An opinion. Arguable truth. Arguably. (laughs) Arguably. But to me, it's true. Right. And to a whole lot of people, that's true. And we can't deny the fact that it's true. We just say it's an arguable truth. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, because that's when there's a wall that'll Uh never come down. Uh And it feels with the election. I feel like I get too angry because I'm like, what? Why isn't everyone freaking out? Not the way to go about it to uh, incite change or not even to do that, but just to communicate how you feel. Because I always get caught up in anger takes away my words a lot. Yes. Because I'm very passionate. (laughs) If we can just take a moment and breathe. And I've been triggered here. I've been set off. I've been someone pushed my button. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you go, wait a minute. That's a truth they believe in. And they're entitled to believe in any truth they want to believe in. No one is entitled to enforce their truth on anybody. 
Yeah. So it occurred to me while I was there listening to the Dalai Lama be fucking brilliant. Uh, all right. What's going on today with LGBTQ is horrible infighting. I've got the real answer to sexuality. I've got the real answer to gender. Transgender is better than tranny. Uh, Drag queens are better than trans. On and on. And you don't belong under the T. And you Mm. do. And non-binary and genderqueer. And everybody is doing what I did when I came out with gender outlaw. Proclaiming their own identity at the expense of other people. Um. So it occurred to me, okay, is there a definitive truth of gender that people, however grudgingly, would have to admit, and there we could start going, all right, all right, let's analyze it. Is your truth a truth that eases your suffering at nobody's expense? All right, then you're entitled to it. Are you trying to enforce your truth? You're not entitled to that. We have to narrow down what exactly it is we object to. So is there a definitive truth of gender? And I fucking found it. I did. I, 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 after 30 years. And my book will be out next year. And then we can all find out what it is. I'm lying. Oh, I was like, don't do this to me. I was like, oh, no. no. no, no, no I no. have to know. I know, right? I know. And, and it, it's stupid. It's simple. Uh, it's not at all surprising. There's two ways you can say it. The simple way and the academic way. The simple definitive truth of gender is gender is relative. The academic way, which might be more understandable to Western folk and the Western mind, is gender is relative to context and point of view. The very fact that people have different ideas about gender proves it. It can't be argued. As soon as someone says, I have another idea about gender. And so what we've got is this interesting thing that Gender is two and two only. There's only men and women. There's only ever been men and women. And there's a lot of peace to be found in understanding this and accepting this, embracing this, and finding that out about yourself and and blossoming in this. And that's the truth. Not being snarky here. It Mm -hmm. is the truth, arguably. (laughs) gender is whatever the fuck you want it to be gender can be men can be women can be genderqueer can be non-binary can be trans can be drag queen can be cross-dresser can be street fairy can be butch women can be passing women can be he she's can be chick with dick everything you want it to be and you can change your mind anytime you want to and that's the truth well, amen. Ar- I feel like there's an um, uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. <laughs> Arguably. <laughs> Arguably. That's as arguable a truth as gender is a binary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It really is. And to the degree we can admit that and go, well, because the definitive truth of gender, the, the bottom line, we can't argue it, gender's fucking relative. Yeah. And as long as you embrace an understanding and a truth of gender that eases your suffering and gives you an opportunity to find some happiness, go for it. You're not entitled to step on anyone else's toes with it, though. Mm-hmm. That's where people need to get along. That's yeah. where people have to grow up. 
Hmm. I you're love a that. gem. Um, Ain't you're cool? great. You're great. And I'm old. That's what happens when you're old. But, but that's why we were excited. You yeah. Are, I think you are our oldest guest, but that's, and that's, we needed that. I have never <laughs> interrupted someone less. Cause I, no, I don't do it on purpose. I just, I'm so anxious to get the thought out. But when you speak, I'm just like, tell me everything. I just want to absorb it because you're so, the way you talk about topics is just so in such an elegant way that I've never really heard before. And it's <laughs> like, it, it really, it, it, it it's, it's soothes my frustration in how I feel about so many things, gender, sexual assault. I mean, there's just so many things that we get emailed about every day, those horror stories that you read all the time. And, and it, it makes me angry, but I, I, and I know in my heart of hearts, that anger isn't what's going to help it. But I think you take that anger and turn it into encouragement and grace. And that's more powerful. And it's more fun. Mm -hmm. And that's what it's all about. Um, so I want to close it out. And I May I, I say yeah. that you are two gracious interviewers. I This was a <laughs> stimulating, challenging, fun, free-floating conversation. Good. Yeah, when go you ahead. interrupted, when I interrupted, it was just like <laughs> sitting around talking with family. So thank you both. That means so much. Thank nah, you. Thank you both. That's so beautiful. And where can we find you? Um, on the internet or elsewhere uh best place right now I'm, I'm pretty much withdrawn from social media while i'm writing and i'll be writing for another year but twitter i pay attention to okay. kate bornstein at kate bornstein sometimes i'm on instagram i haven't been for a couple of months but still awesome. twitter twitter's the best or katebornstein.com i've got a blog with I haven't updated in fucking years, <laughs> but there's some real fun pieces up there that you can prowl. Oh yeah. Get. And it, does it have your previous books, your, all your previous work? You yeah. Want to take more into that? Some all. I'm, cool. I'm, yeah. yeah. I'm especially interested because I know, uh, we didn't talk about it a lot today, but, uh, you, the book you wrote on suicide, I think would be great for a lot of listeners to look into because that's something that we get a lot of emails about. Yep. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's always more reading to do, and and why, why are you I covering your face? Give uh, people 101 alternatives to it. Sounds yeah, because it's I want to. We want to provide the best resources, but I yeah, mean, I, yeah. And I mean, I know it goes. Unfortunately, goes hand to hand so much with the LGBTQ community. Um, do, what is, is there anything you want to say on about yeah. that? It's my passion. Uh, after 9/11 the day of in the next three days we just stood out on the back fire escape here and looked south and we saw the smoke rising and it was horrible and on the third day if you were in the city you remember the wind changed and blew north it's a horrible horrible i've never smelled anything like it and my girlfriend and i after a few minutes looked at each other we realized we were inhaling people <laughs> And you go, oh, and then I realized of what fucking value is postmodern gender theory in a world as insane as this. And I went to a terrible depression. And people, you know, what can I write about? What can I write about? And I, I could write uh, a guy, an old beatnik named Thule Kupferberg, wrote a, a self-published pamphlet mimeographed called a thousand and one ways to live without working you know with things like find a five dollar bill in the toilet and you're the only one brave enough to flush it out next five find a ten dollar bill in a toilet and you're the, on and on and on silly silly things i said i'm gonna write a thousand and one ways to stay alive 
and they were silly things. And but I thought, wait a minute, yeah, there's. And I noticed so many kids, our kids, are queer and kids at risk, oddball kids, um, were killing themselves. That's my dog having a, a dream of chasing. Oh my God, I love your dog with the tongue. That kills no, me. I know, so I know, I know, I know. <laughs> the kids, kids were killing themselves. And um, I realized this, this was then about 2004. And I said, yeah, I'm going to write this book. I'm going to write a book about suicide prevention. And I set out to try and prevent suicide. And I, realized, and I looked in the library, I looked online at Amazon. All the books about suicide basically said, be good. Toe this line and you won't want to kill yourself. Really? That doesn't sound helpful. Pretty much. Huh. Pretty much. And um, in one way, shape, or form. Some of them very warm-hearted, loving books. No mm-hmm. question. But basically they said, here's how to live your life so that you won't want to kill yourself. I said, I can't do that. I don't know anybody like that. And I thought, <laughs> well, what have I done? I've, I've been suicidal majorly six times in my life i've got scars i have no idea how i got them and i got scars that i do know how i got them they were fun (laughs) Uh, but uh i thought the only thing i can do is give blanket permission so do whatever you need to do to make your life more worth living here's 101 examples for you and it ranges from um, just keep moving to spend a day without using pro without using nouns. Um, my favorite is moisturize. You, you can't be suicidal <laughs> if you're moist. Right? You cannot, cannot, cannot. Um, but it also says, you know, uh, starve yourself. I'm, I've been anorexic for the majority of my life. And it's helped me stay alive. That's the most deadly alternative in the book. And I say, none of these alternatives are going to last you more. They're all going to lose their potency. So yeah, yeah. If you have to starve yourself, you have to go without eating, do it. Stop as soon as you can. Ditto, take drugs. Fucking take drugs. Don't kill yourself. Right? Ditto, cut yourself. Okay. Try and do it without anger. Learn how to do it with with pride and and go and enjoy and eroticize the pain, but without being hateful of yourself. Try that. And so there's all these 101 alternatives, and there's only one rule in the book. I'm so proud of it. There's an alternative that says, disobey the golden rule. Go ahead. Everybody else does. Why should you be the only damn fool who's obeying it? Mm -hmm. Um, The only rule in the book is don't be mean. I love that that common, it's a common theme since we've been talking to you. Right. And I really enjoy that. Yeah. That's great because it's like, not that people need permission, but that allows them to go places they wouldn't normally go. But giving them permission to do something like no one could even fathom buying a book that is, it's like, yeah, you want to start yourself? But that that um, method of of communicating opens up so many doors within people's own minds that they didn't know they could open. Like I'm reading a book about how to quit smoking and the guy's like, usually I teach seminars and stuff and we have smoke breaks. You smoke while you're reading this book. I don't care. Go smoke a cigarette. And that, that changed me. And I'm only a chapter in and I'm like, Oh shit. I think you might've taken the joy out of smoking for me. <laughs> it's kind of nice. But that freedom, uh, 
is interesting. It's effective. And what is it? What is it about anorexia that keeps you? Is it like is it because you feel so alive when you're hungry? Used to be. I haven't starved myself now, and since I wrote that book, <laughs> uh, really, since I totally like I need, gave myself, I need permission. a sandwich. <laughs> huh? Okay. Yeah, I was oh, yeah. uh, it's, believing it, for a in, little bit. In other words, control. how do you? How do you how do you, it's the same thing as masochism in BDSM. Uh-huh. When someone's hurting you, you hurt them back, you run away. But there's a third option is you take it. Uh-huh. You say, not hurting me. I can, I can take that. Uh-huh. I don't have to run away. Okay. I can turn that energy into something else. Same with starving yourself. For me, it was, it was, it was great. Uh, <laughs> no, really. I felt strong, powerful. Um, well, there, fasting is a thing. Well, I mean, of course, yeah. I thought I looked better. Was there any um, sort sense of, of vanity um, in terms of it? Feeling yeah. in control was that a factor in it? Oh yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Because I, yeah, because I remember after <laughs> shitty breakup, uh, I remember I uh, made myself throw up for like six months. Yeah, and I, I, but I, I was confused by it because like I don't, I'm not trying to be thinner. I'm not trying to change my looks. I'm, I'm totally cool with my looks. But then I realized like it's a control thing. I just want something to control. And that control felt so good because I felt so out of control. Yeah. This is something I can do. Yeah. Um, the only problem with giving a blanket permission like that with one rule, don't be mean, is a lot of the things you do to improve your life are going to get you sent to hell. Hmm. Say what? arguably. But some people have the truth is, you know, if I'm queer, I'm going to go to hell. They grew up with this. That's just uh, whatever. Um, You know, if I change my gender, holy shit, I'm going to hell. Mm -hmm. I've got you covered. Um, (laughs) I I give away get out of hell free cards. (laughs) Oh, that's so great. And and it works like this. It works like this. You do whatever it takes to make your life more worth living. Anything, my babies. All right. Anything. Just don't be mean. And if you get sent to hell for doing something that wasn't mean, hang on to the card. <laughs> Give it to Satan. I will do your time for you. <laughs> so kind of you. I'm a masochist. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Bless Amazing. your hearts. Thank, <laughs> thank you. Uh, this has been Guys We Fucked, the anti slut shaming podcast. We'll talk to you next week. And turning under my sheets Corner street light by my window Feeling that awful need The need to be someone doing a thing All I want to do is lie here Bitter like the winter sky Bitter like the winter sky so much for listening to today's episode of Guys We Fucked. 
Throwing Shade, the critically acclaimed podcast from Funnier Die, is now a new late night show on TV Land. It's a weekly current events comedy show hosted by feminasty Eric Gib- Aaron Gibson and homosexual Brian Safi. Brian and Aaron look at the headlines and politics and pop culture and treat them with much less respect than they deserve. From Funnier Die, it's Throwing Shade, wildly inappropriate, always funny, occasionally important. All new Tuesdays at 10:30, 9:30 Central on TV Land. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com.